All right, well, let's get into our message. Um, second week in on Love Works, 1 Corinthians 13, 4. And uh, Love Works. Uh, I tell you what, when I started that series and I started studying it, I thought it was going to be like a lot of uh, the times that I preached this before, this message on 1 Corinthians. And, uh, and I wasn't expecting what I found. Right? Um, I don't know if you've ever come into a passage that's been so familiar, and then when you have an opportunity to really saturate yourself with it, memorize it, meditate on it, put it into practice in your life, how something that seems so familiar, something you've maybe heard a thousand times, all of a sudden the power of God's Word starts to take root and saturate your heart and changes you. That's what happens. Uh, that's what happened for me. And it's just powerful. Love is a powerful thing. And last week we talked about uh, we, we talked about how love is patient. Now, here, of course, here's our, our memory verse, and it is the passage that we're going to be on for the next five weeks. Love is patient and is kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. In fact, even a better translation for that last one is love never fails. Isn't that amazing? I mean, this is powerful stuff, and yet we've all heard it. And last week we talked about how love is patient and how patience is, is uh, choosing relationship over your own expectations. It's a battlefield for your mind. It's, patience is what frees us from being the prisoner to our own desires. It's what allows us to engage in deeper things. And now we're going to talk about kindness because you really, can't, you really can't be kind until you have a foundation of patience, can you? Uh, you think about when you are impatient. It's hard to be kind, isn't it? But when we give up our own expectations for our life and we begin at this part to saying, you know what, God loved me and I have received his patience and his kindness and his love in my life. And I'm not living for me anymore. That great transition, that trade that we have where we turn in our own sinful, broken lives and God gives us a brand new life. When we die to ourselves and clothe ourselves in Christ, when we start living for his things and not us, when we have that power for patience, we now have the ability of something world-changing, and that is kindness. And that's what we'll be talking about today, and it's incredibly practical things. So love is kind. As much as, as patience is a battlefield for our minds, kindness then is a battlefield for our hearts. And it goes down to the very deepest reasons why we do things. It is, it is a core issue of motive. And uh, when I got that, <laughs> it, uh, it started to work in me. Because I used to think kindness was this. I used to think kindness was being nice to people. But you know, you can be really nice to people while you pat them on the back to their own destruction. You really can. Oftentimes, my kindness was the fact that I just don't like conflict. And so I was just trying to be nice and appease and just to allow everybody to feel okay. But what I realize is kindness is this. Kindness is compassion in action. That's a great definition for kindness. Some people say compassionate action, and I think that's part of it, but it's deeper than that. It is compassion put to use. Kindness begins with compassion. There's a story that Jesus told, a parable, that if you're in one of the life groups, you get to talk about this next week. And, and it has to do with the, this, this lawyer who tries to trip Jesus up and saying, what does a person need to be saved? And, the, and uh, Jesus says to this guy, well, uh, what, do you, what do you think? Because Jesus was being kind, and he knew that this lawyer wasn't really an interest in the mood of list, or listening, right? 
He wanted to talk. He was the expert of the law. So Jesus asked him, all right, expert, what do you have to do? And the expert says, well, love God with your heart, soul, strength, and mind. and Love your neighbor yourself. And Jesus says, that's awesome. You got it. Now, why don't you try practicing it? Go and do it. And, and trying to justify himself, the lawyer, being quick and, and was able to say, well, then who is my neighbor? Right? If I narrow the scope down enough, I can be nice to the people I like. Right? That's easy. And so Jesus tells an amazing parable of the Good Samaritan. And in the parable of the Good Samaritan, obviously, there was a man who walks down a, a dangerous road and does something foolish and gets beat up. And then two other people pass, and you'll get to study that this week in your life group. So one man stops, the Samaritan, and sees him, and he says he was so moved by his compassion for the man that he took care of him. Compassion is a motive. Compassion is not just doing something. That's, that's kindness. Compassion is when you see something that breaks your heart. And, and, and it, you say, this, this can't be. And compassion is not the handout because it makes me feel better to give you something. Compassion is the handout because I'm entering into your pain with you. And I can't stand to see you suffer like that. I can't stand to see you alone. Compassion stops my own, uh, my own idea of building my own kingdom and my own comfort and my own righteousness. Compassion sees the other person. is a motive that's here. Compassion, when it is stirred up in a person, propels them into action. A couple years ago, my wife and I took a long couple years ago. My goodness, I'm getting old. Uh, we, we took kids to this uh, Choir the Fire event. And uh, many years ago, and there was a, a table there that had these pictures of these children's faces on them from all over the world that couldn't eat and couldn't, uh, didn't have enough money to have medical care on their own. And um, we walked by that booth and felt that pull from the Holy Spirit. You ever have that? And you kind of feel like, no, no, it's just me feeling guilty. I'm not going to do that. I don't want, right? And then it bothered us that entire weekend till finally we just showed up. We're like, okay, who is it, Lord? <laughs> who do you have for us? And uh, we adopted a compassion child. And that compassion child has since graduated. And now we have a new one who was born on the same day as my son, named Samuel. And you know what changed was this, is that we saw a person, not a picture. And it changed us. We said, we want to make a difference in this one person's life for Christ. We can do that. And so it was more than just sending a check. It's sending letters. It's sending prayers. It's caring for a person. Compassion moves you to action. And that is kindness. You know what? We're not the first ones that were kind. We know this first, don't we? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. What was God's motive? Was God's motive just selfish so that he could have heaven filled with a bunch of people that he liked? No. God was moved by something much deeper. He had compassion on us and our brokenness. He saw us and still sees us in our brokenness and our rebellion and, and all the things that we do in our wickedness and our evil while we're still his enemies. He sees us. And his love for us, his compassion for us, for us motivates God to action on our behalf. That's amazing. When we say God is love, it's not just saying that out there. God has proved it. He lives it. 
God left heaven and the glory of heaven to come here for me and you. God's compassion cannot be, cannot be contained within the inaction of the mind. He loves us, so He does things. And look at this, Romans 2.4. In the beginnings of Romans, if you ever read Romans, and if you haven't, read it. It's a great book. But in Romans, Paul talks about the faith and what does it mean and how does it work. In the first three chapters, he basically makes us all feel like dirt because he shows us how far short we fall from God. Like, no one in this world is righteous on our own. Like, no one can stand up and say, you know what, I've got it all figured out. I'm the righteous person. I'm perfect. Follow me. He was like, no, nobody's got it. But God still loves us anyway. And in the middle of that, he tells us what is going to bring us to that point of, of transformation. He said, don't show contempt for the riches of, of God's kindness or for embarrassment and patience. Right? Do you, know, you realize that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? God gives us kindness. He shows us kindness because he knows it's the very thing that transforms us. And have you ever received kindness from somebody? Doesn't it change you? When you didn't deserve it, somebody had compassion on you and they helped you in a way that you totally did not deserve or expect. Isn't that an amazing, life-changing experience? Do you understand that God has done that? We pray all the time, Jesus, come back, but God is saying, wait, there are those still out there that, that need to know that I love them. And his kindness towards us. There are people in this world that quite honestly, in and of my own sinful nature, I would pray God's lightning upon, you know, because they do such horrible things. And they have such horrible motives. And I say, Lord, why? Right? Just judge them. But I realize that God should also judge me in that same way, right? His curse should fall upon me and it doesn't. You know, if I go out and I have a bad, a bad day, God's lightning bolt isn't right there like boom, is it? I don't meet his fist every morning and ten times a day like I deserve. What I do find is his grace and his mercy are new every single morning, right? God has compassion for us. He loves us so deeply. And that love transforms us. And that's part of the intent of it. We have compassion in action. We see here that kindness then was demonstrated in Christ. We know what love is, it says John tells us in First John, because what? Jesus gave up his life for us. We don't have to guess as to what love is. We don't have to guess what does compassion in action look like. We have the world's greatest example. Jesus even said, there is no greater love than this than for someone to lay down his life for his friends. Uh, he chose us above everything for Him. Uh, we know what true love is. We have seen it in Christ. And that's why it's so important that we spend time getting to know Christ through the Scriptures, isn't it? We don't have to guess at it. God revealed Himself to us. We get to see what He's done for us. And it should change us. We also see that kindness reflects Christ's heart. It wasn't just demonstrated. It wasn't just Jesus did this show for us. He comes to earth so he can act like he's compassionate and kind. No, here's that 
full verse in 1 John. It says this, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us and it's supposed to change us, right? There's a so what to this for us. It says we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have seen Christ's heart. We have seen what he's done for us. It has been now we have got a chance to reflect Christ's heart to the rest of this world. Once we have received love from God, God's love is dynamic. It needs to then flow through us. God showed us kindness. Now we have the ability, we know what it looks like to show kindness to somebody else. And that's what it says. And then he gives this example. He says, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need and shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? What a deep question. And then he tells us something very, very practical. He says, dear children, let's not merely say we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. Compassionate action. Christians are supposed to be known by our kindness. What a deep thing. You know, I think I know the reason why we don't go and do this when we have enough, but we don't help. is because we think we can't help everybody. You ever fallen into that, that trap? You drive downtown, maybe you go into Boulder or Denver, something like that, and you see a homeless person, and, and you think, well, I can't help all the homeless people, so I might as well not even start. I don't know if you've ever been there. I had been there for a while, and then something happened in my life, and I realized that I couldn't help everybody, but I could help that one. I could help one. I can do that. You know, God tells us to make a difference, but it's not just the big examples like this. There are tons of ways that compassion happens. You know, a lot of times folks will come in, and I get the joy of helping folks my church family and others through difficult times in life and they will come in to me broken and it's overwhelming for both of us because we're humans and the problems of this world are bigger than us. That's why we need God. That's where we see him come in. And as folks come in, when I was younger and, and doing this, I would be so overwhelmed and I would think I can't help that person at all because I can't solve their problem. I can't solve the bigness of their problem. I can't do it. I don't have the wisdom. I don't know what to do. But I realize this, that I can step in and I can love them right there. I can offer everything that I have. You know what I've seen? That the God of fishes and loaves is the God who also expands compassion and does miracles in the midst of relationship and love. It's amazing how a little bit of help and, and, and love and, and even my own limited knowledge, God has used so many times to more than enough help and cover and restore families and relationships and people that's not me that's god but it starts with compassion it starts with this we have to start showing love don't be afraid of it i mean that's what it says don't just say it we got to start doing it that's letting god's love flow through us and we see that in that kindness expresses faith you know um we have see james the brother of jesus who grew up with jesus so he saw kindness a lot and he was able to write this to the church. It sounds very similar to that last passage, by the way. You might notice uh, this might be something that God wants us to get. He says, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing. You say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and, and well. But then, you know, give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, unless faith by itself is, uh, isn't enough. And unless it produces good deeds... It's dead and useless. And the good deeds there are kindness, acts of kindness, compassion and action, right? I mean, if you care for somebody, let it motivate you to do something. 
You know, the only way we're going to be able to see where people are at is when we free ourselves from, from the impatience of our own world, right? We all have our agendas. We all feel 24 hours a day. I love when people say, I'm busy. Well, guess what? I feel 24 hours a day, too. We all do, right? It's what do we fill it with? And we're going to fill it with my agenda, or I can fill it with God's agenda, but I, I have to fill it somehow. And God says this is his agenda. And that's important for us to get. If we're ever too busy to show kindness, then we have the wrong priorities. It's not that we're too busy. We're busy with the wrong things. And it says this, that my faith, it's, it's, it's made full in kindness. I'm kind not because it was me that was pers- kind first. I am kind. I love others because God first loved me, right? That's why I can be kind. I have received kindness and mercy and grace and peace from God. And that kindness enables me to be kind to you. And that's not just some preachy, nice thing to say. It gets down into the real dirty things of life. That's, that's where it's at. I, I think of, uh, um, I had to make a phone call this a couple weeks ago into one of those insurance companies, which is uh, so fun. And um, I got to wait on the phone for 45 minutes. And I don't know why they did poor people on the other end, you know, because by the time they answer, the person is so impatient and so fed up, right, that it's hard to be kind. And so I was preaching this, so I was like, okay, kindness, <laughs> right? I asked myself, am I going to talk to that person in five minutes? No. Is there anything I'm going to do? No. Okay, so it's okay. I'll be okay. And then as we worked through the issue, I had the opportunity of speak kind words to the person. To not just scream at them and be upset and frustrated, right? And to use them as my verbal punching bag. And you know what? We got to resolve the issue in a lot faster way than I think. I've gone the other route, too. I've been frustrated. I'm not perfect, right? So if you ever thought that, there you go. Dispelled, (laughs) right? But it was an amazing thing in that I left that phone conversation. And we got the things done probably the same way as I would have if I was mean and nasty. But I left that without this horrible baggage. I left that without wounding another human being. I left that without diminishing my soul, right? It was an amazing thing. Kindness, and the reason I did that, the reason I was able to speak kindly and actually begin to listen to realize that that's another human being and to care for them was because I went back over and over whilst I waited on the phone and they had that repeating song and they would always interrupt like halfway through with advertisements, right? Because I reminded myself all the way through there what Jesus did for me. And he's so patient with me. And I put him on hold a lot. And he's very kind to me. And that's what gave me the motivation to act with compassion towards that other person. It works in your life. And that's what I found in this, is that kindness then ultimately was a freedom for me. And I think it's a freedom for all of us. Uh, Just as much as patience frees us from from the tyranny of our own expectations and our own kingdom and the way that things we want to go. Kindness is something that now I am free to offer that I think most people in this world don't have. When you are imprisoned by your own expectations and everything that you want to do, and if somebody doesn't do that, you have to go to war against them. We don't have that anymore. I died to myself. Jesus is taking care of me. He really is. I'm okay. And because of that, I can act in a whole different way in this world that doesn't always make sense to the rest of this world, but it is so, it's it's like 
water to a parched land. It's so received because it's so scarce. We have a freedom and a power in Christ that, that can change our lives, that can change our marriages, that can change our relationships at work. Galatians 5.13, great book on freedom, says this, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. You see that? In love, compassion. What do you do? You serve them. Compassion and action. We have a new freedom. We can live for bigger things. So let me ask you in your life, because this is where it comes down for me, as I, as I start to practice patience. The question for me is, is this really as important as this other person? Right? Is me getting this problem resolved on the phone with this person more important than their soul? Right? Or uh, is, is this thing that I'm holding on to so dearly more important than, than meeting their need where they're at? When I begin to, to look at the world from a better perspective and I start to realize that God is going to take care of me, I don't need to cling to things. and I don't need to cling to all the stuff that I cling to before. I don't have to live by that kind of fear. I'm able to go and to love other people right where they're at. It's a freedom. You know, there was a football game yesterday. My son was in it, and, and uh, he, they did a great job. The boys played well, but they didn't win this time. And, um, and part of it, I didn't, uh, we, we had our mistakes, but there was some refing calls that I would thought were questionable. <laughs> and, and I'm a passionate guy, right? And so one of those calls uh, resulted in a touchdown for the other team, and it was very clear. I was so mad because I know how hard these boys work, and one of our guys got held, and, and, and it was so obvious, like, shirt was stretching and all that kind of stuff and the kid runs right by him and the ref is standing right there and doesn't call it and and I was mad I was and I said this is what holding looks like ref like I went over the top right because that's me and that wasn't kind that was not kind but then after the game right after the game when I got to go and I got to apologize I said you know what you're investing your Saturday in our boys and I'm sorry, you don't get it all perfect, I don't get it all perfect, but thank you for being here. And the guy's eyes teared up. You've never seen a ref have eyes. To, they're human. What would have thought? I could have left yesterday angry and upset, right? And I could have left making that man who gave up his Saturday invest in young people feel like he got beat down. But instead, I was able to show kindness and built each other up. And that is what Christ does in the little things, Right? It's a freedom. It's a freedom in the everyday little things of life. We get to overcome this world. We get to do it with something as powerful as kindness that changes hearts. Let me give you another example. Because I think that's how Jesus, we know to love because Jesus loved us. Follow, imitate me as I imitate Christ, right? That's what we want to see. I don't always get it right, but when I do, I'm going to share some things. Um, here was when kindness first in my life, the most dramatic shift in my thinking happened. I, I mentioned earlier in the sermon that something happened to me that helped me see when there was a homeless person where I stopped seeing just a problem or somebody to ignore. And this is what happened. I was, um, when my wife and I first got married, I was part of this horrible law school. Oh, it was awful. And, um, and it was, the law school was filled with very self-righteous people. Uh, it was all Christian and it was all about, and, and, the, and it looked so good on the outside, right? 
And, and the whole idea of this law school, and I love the idea, it's why I started, I went into it, because they said, you know, we need to have more of God and culture. And so the idea behind it was great. And how do we, uh, common law came from biblical things and all that. So that's what I wanted to learn. So I really studied it and all that. But why I stopped going to that school, and people have asked, is, is this. I had to study for an, uh, an examination, a, um, a pre-bar examination uh, in the state of California. And in order to do that, I went to this, one of the, the centers for the schools in, in Oklahoma. And they, and they had this hotel that was there. And it was like self-righteous hotel. It was awful. Like, I walked in. My room was on the fifth floor. I pushed the button on the elevator to go to my room. And people there were like, <coughs> it's slothful to take the elevator. We take the stairs. I said, well, I take the elevator. And I wrote, right? Um, it was the dumbest thing. They wake you up at 5 in the morning with marching band music. I will tell you, I do not think edifying thoughts at 5.30 in the morning <laughs> with marching band music. But it was the whole concept. The whole thing was that way. Well, anyway, it's right downtown Oklahoma City. I mean, right downtown. And the doors are locked on this Christian hub so that the riffraff doesn't get in. Right? And not only that, I was there all week long with these guys studying for this examination, doing all this stuff, listening to these loud and, and very impressive prayers, right? These very, very righteous people. I felt like the most horrible Christian ever being around these folks. I really stood out. And, and at the end of the week, we're walking out to the, the garage where our cars were locked away safely in there. And I'm with other classmates and we're walking, all these Christian classmates, and we're walking along, and, and there was five people sitting on the side, right outside of this, this hotel, that had signs saying, you know, would like to have food, things like this, well, we're, all that kind of stuff, right? And I grew up here in Estes. Like, this was uncomfortable for me. I'm not inner city guy, right? Uh, and, and it just, something happened in me as I watched these godly people walk by and not so much as even look at, at, at the other folks that were sitting on the street corners. Didn't even look at them. Made me so mad. Just infuriated me. We are to be the light of Christ. And here are people that are outside of this very building suffering. Well, we have this beautiful hotel locked up so they stay out. Is that Jesus? That's not Jesus. I took them across the street and bought them all uh, Wendy's. And I didn't have a ton because I was going to school and my wife and I were working off an electrician's budget. But we had a great feast. And I got to hear stories. And there was a guy there that I'm sure was absolutely crazy. Right? I mean, <laughs> scare you crazy. But he went to bed full. And there was a guy there that had been kicked out of his house because he has an addiction and he loves his wife, but he doesn't know how to fix it. And none of the churches will take him in. But he went to bed full. Compassion matters. It changes lives. Still, how many years ago is that? 17? I pray for those guys every day. I don't know where they're at, but my God does. And I expect someday I'm going to see them and have a meal in heaven. From that day, 
God changed me. I stopped seeing myself as somebody who was worthy of having everything I have. I began seeing myself as somebody who has opportunity to care. If you go up to my car, there's a little paper bag. It's got socks, a water bottle. It's got a little New Testament in there. It has a, a little solar blanket, and it's got a granola bar. And I sometimes keep several in there when I make them, and then they kind of run out. Right now, I only have one. Because when I go down and I go to Boulder or I go to Denver, there's somebody that can help. This one. God helped this one. He helped me. Love works. The challenge is this. So will you let God's kindness change you? Let God's kindness change you. I asked the worship team to come up. There are some things that uh, we can do to start that process. I'd like you to take out your connection card. I need to get a box of Kleenex up here. I'm so sorry. I did not plan on that. Uh. Oh, you're the coolest guy. I will wash it even. Because that's kindness. Memorize. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 is more than a nifty song. It's more than memory versus karaoke. It is the power of a changed life. Memorize it. Say you're going to do it and do it. How about this? Read the book of Ruth. You want to read a book in the Bible, you see kindness there, God's kindness and the kindness of people in action, how it changes the course of humanity. Read Ruth. It's in the Old Testament. It's amazing what God has done and, and what he continues to do. And it's the same God that worked in Ruth that's at work in us. How about this? You, you can pray for compassion. Pray for it. Because compassion doesn't just happen, right? It's a, it's a fruit. It's grown. And you have to ask God, God, help me. Change me. Help me see the world like you see it. And God will do it. He will do a work in your hearts. Maybe you say this week, I'm going to begin praying for compassion in my own life. Help me become a compassionate person, God. Let me connect with who you are. How about this? Act in kindness. This is a great thing to do. Maybe say there's a somebody in your life that's particularly difficult to love. That is the person to show kindness to. Because guess what? You were particularly difficult to love for God. And He was kind to you, wasn't He? Maybe that's the place you begin. That enemy at work. Maybe in your, in your marriage, maybe there's difficulty. Be kind to your spouse. Or maybe your kids right now are doing things that hurt you. Love them. Show them kindness. Don't just do what they want to have done. Do what they need. Let your compassion for another person propel you into life-changing action. Maybe that's what you do. Act in kindness. Or maybe there's something else. Maybe there's something else you need to do. Then the Lord knows what it is. And he's been telling you all through this message. Write it down because we'll be praying for you. Maybe there's a request or, or something that you need to do. Um, mark it down on the other side if it's one of those or just a prayer request. You know what? Because God is compassionate and is kind. He has no obligation to answer our prayers, but he does it because he loves us. He is a good, good Heavenly Father. So let us pray with you and for you this week. Mark those down. And here in a minute we're going to take, uh, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to pray together corporately. Um, and, and then at the end of that, we're going to take our tithes and offerings. And as we do that, drop this in that offering basket. Let's do that. Well, please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are, you're real. 
And that you don't just claim to be loved, but you prove it. You prove it by making us. You proved it by saving us. You proved it by making a place for us when you come again. And you've given us hope, but you've also given us grace for today. God, thank you. I pray that as a church, you help us to embrace your kindness and live it in our own lives. Father, change us from the inside out and give us the courage and the patience and the ability to love those around us, especially those that are the most difficult. As you said in your word, that we are to love our enemies. And we know we don't have the power to do that in of ourselves, so we look to you. Help us to love our enemies and help us to treat one another with true kindness. Give us compassion to see the true needs of others and to meet those. Not so we would feel good, but, Father, so that they could be cared for and know that they are loved too. Now, Father, as we continue in this time of prayer, we're going to ask that you hear us. We're going to ask that, Father, that, that you care for, for our needs and as you care for them and out of your compassion for us that you will answer them according to exactly what we need. But Lord, give us the wisdom to know what to pray. We thank you for hearing us. We offer you our prayers now.